Hello and welcome to Bright Wings, children's books to make the heart soar. I am your host, Charity Hill. The purpose of this conversation is to help mothers and fathers identify books that will liberate their children to embrace truth, goodness, and beauty. I am pleased to review for you two books by Lisa Klein Ransom, Finding Langston and Leaving Lyman. These two books are companion volumes. They're related. And though they have very different narratives, very different characters and storylines, the main characters of each book actually interact with each other. They intersect with each other at a crucial point. Also, the main characters, Langston and Lyman, share a common historical period, race and cultural situation. Both books tell the story of two different boys who follow their families and undergo the experiences of Black Americans in a time period known as the Great Migration. I always find history so much more interesting when you realize it's someone's personal history. So I want to share with you a little bit of background on the Great Migration so that you will understand the context and the value of these stories. So in the 1920s through the 1960s, it's estimated that 7 million Black Americans moved out of the southern states to northern and western states, largely cities. So it was a move from a more agrarian life, usually, to a more urban life. In World War I, there there was factory labor shortages that resulted in a willingness in northern states to hire Black workers. And so families from the South left behind socially and economically repressive situations for greater freedom and economic opportunity up north and west. The University of Washington website, uh, which I'll link in the show notes, writes that, quote, historians have long described this exodus as the Great Migration. Great not just because of the numbers, right, sheer numbers, of people who moved, but because of the social and political consequences. Once a people of the South, Black Americans became increasingly part of the big cities of all regions, and in those urban settings, steadily gained political and cultural influence, end quote. These gains, it's easy to argue, in turn led to the civil rights movement. Even though I lived within striking distance of Chicago growing up, and even though I was intrigued by this word Bronzeville that I heard now and again, I didn't know that much about it until researching a little bit more for this podcast on the background of Bronzeville. Langston moves with his father into Bronzeville, Chicago. He too finds this the most poetic name for this area of town. And I want to give you a background about why Bronzeville is so significant. It really rivals New York's Harlem for its cultural and civic achievements. There were two black newspapers. There were libraries. There were the pioneer of open heart surgery, Dr. Daniel Hale Williams, um, pioneered open heart surgery at Bronzeville's Provident Hospital. The musicians that came out of Chicago's Bronzeville, Louis Armstrong, Nat King Cole, Sam Cooke, Cab Calloway, Dinah Washington, Quincy Jones, Herbie Hancock, Mahalia Jackson, athletes, Jesse Owens and Ralph Metcalf, Joe Lewis, the boxer, and the writers, The writers, Richard Wright, Margaret Walker, Gwendolyn Brooks, Arna Bontemps, Lorraine Hansberry, and briefly, Langston Hughes. Klein Ransom is honest in saying that Langston Hughes was largely part of New York's Harlem Renaissance, but he did play a role in Chicago's Black Renaissance. And this is where we encounter Langston. 
Langston and his father have moved to Chicago's Bronzeville after the death of Langston's mother. He feels so out of place, and he's just aching with homesickness, and he's mourning his, his mother. His miserable shoes and his overalls and his accent, his Alabama accent, mark him as somebody from the country who's new to town. And so he's also not very well liked at school. It's on the edge of everything. He's a really good student, though, loves reading. His mother always uh, kind of spoiled him by letting him read whatever he wanted, like as much as he wanted in the house, though his daddy always wanted him to help with chores. Anyway, he's just, we meet him homesick for the red dirt roads of Alabama. And we see how education, opportunity, poetry, and a gorgeous library play a role in Langston's growth. He's hiding out in the school, trying to avoid a trio of bullies, and he exits the school and tries to go home a different way, and he bumps into a marvelous, marvelous library. What's unique about this library for Langston is it's a public library. It's not for whites only or for blacks only. But it is, as the librarian firmly tells him, it's a public library. In this library, Langston discovers the poetry of Langston Hughes, and he finds it deeply consoling. He finds consolation for his homesickness in the way that Hughes' poetry talks about the soil and the air and the emotion. At home in the apartment, Langston discovers a letter from his mother to his father. And in this letter, there's a quote from Langston Hughes' poetry written as if she were the author. I assume that she does this because Langston's father doesn't care for poetry or books. The poem she quotes from is poem four to the Black Beloved. Ah, my black one, thou art not beautiful, yet thou hast a loveliness surpassing beauty. Young Langston realizes that he and his mother share a bond rooted in beauty in the affirmation of the heart's deep places, and Hughes' poetry granted them both access to it. On the last page, we hear Langston's thoughts. He says, Grandma was right. I can feel Mama looking down on me. Daddy'll probably never know that in the letters he hid was a secret she kept, that she named me for a poet whose words she loved and kept hidden in her heart, just waiting for a baby boy. Maybe she knew she wasn't long for this world, knew I'd need something to get me through. But whatever it was, Mama led me to this library, helped my hand reach out to the shelf, holding a book with my name. And it saved me from the pain of losing her and from a city I hated. And Mama, all the way up in heaven, helped me along the way to finding home. Lisa Klein Ransom's first novel, Finding Langston, is beautiful, poetic. The language is the language is somewhat simple without being in any way simplistic. I would call her prose rather poetic for the depth of imagery that she creates, the sensory experience that she's able to convey with her language. Poetry, which is always metaphorical and symbolic, in this case represents that very thing, that reality has this mysterious depth. And because of poetry, Langston can enter into things more deeply. Langston can enjoy life again. Langston can enjoy the things and the people that he loves. Poetry becomes a symbol for this, cons- this very consolation that poetry brings. <laughs> this book ponders 
beautifully the question, who am I? His mother's death and the move has really set Langston adrift. Finding this library and discovering poetry, especially the poetry of Langston Hughes, helps him discover who he is, rediscover his identity, um, discovering the, even the name similarity of Langston with Langston Hughes, and then discovering his mother's love for poetry and the secret of his name that she intentionally called him Langston to point him to, to beauty, to love, to engagement. It's rare to find a book about beauty and how beauty can point us, how beauty can lead us, call to us, console us, how beauty can help us rediscover ourselves and our reality. Lisa Klein Ransom does a marvelous job showing us this, especially because she's contrasting this with such harsh realities in the life of the boy Langston. It's also very clear in this story that we have to ask, our children are going to ask, who am I? And where have I come from? And when they are somewhat sure of, of those answers, then they move forward with, to ask the question from a place of safety. They move forward to ask the question, where am I going? What must I do? Langston can't move forward until he is grappled and come to peace with this question. Who am I? Where have I come from? Poetry helps him to answer that. And he's able to move forward towards maturity, asking, where am I going? What good must I do? I love that Klein Ransom was able to give me a window into an experience that I could never have, what it was like to be a resident of Bronzeville during this crucial, special, particular time in history. All of the characters in both Finding Langston and Leaving Lyman are Black Americans, all of them. And I feel privileged to be able to overhear their conversations and enter imaginatively into their joys and sufferings. Finding Langston is only about 100 pages. Leaving Lyman is about 180. There's a third book I've discovered called Being Clem. That's part of this trilogy. I'm going to put all three of them on my book list for stories for strong boys. Uh, Now, perhaps you don't even need to listen to the rest of this book review, but I'm going to go on and I'm going to talk about the other novel called Leaving Lyman. It's about a boy named Lyman who lives with his grandparents in Vicksburg, Mississippi. He has no memory, really, of his mother. And his father, as the story opens, they're going to visit him at Parchment Farm. Parchment Farm is the name for the Mississippi State Penitentiary. His dad's in there for not much. He, his dad was drunk and I think hit someone. And the family is struggling along without him. Now, Lyman loves his grandpops, and his grandpops is such a warm, lovable, cheerful, cheerful man who provides for his family. He teaches Lyman how to play the guitar. And when Grandpop dies, Lyman and his grandma, who he calls Ma, ha- is moved to Milwaukee to live with an aunt and uncle. Lyman leaves behind the country life he loves, quote, and the version of himself that he knows. I won't go into detail on the, about the parchment farm, but it, it's outside of the purposes of this book review, but it's super interesting and you should look into it to raise your historical cultural IQ. It's covered by the author in a, in a section at the end of the book. Now, what can I tell you about Lyman? He is really musical. His family's musical. His grandpa and his dad are. When his dad gets out of prison, his dad, um, his work is to be a musician. And so his dad is travels to find gigs and play music. 
Unfortunately, Lyman is always longing for his dad to be around. He wants his dad not only just to come back, but to stay. He's waited so long for his dad to be around, to be not in prison anymore. And he just wants his dad to stay. There's so many elements of this book that are hard and heartbreaking. So Lyman has some kind of learning difficulty, it seems like. And he's not good at school and he doesn't get along with his teachers. One day when he's skipping school, he encounters the barber who invites him in for a haircut, a free haircut. And the barber becomes kind of a mentor to him. He's also a deacon at the church where his aunt goes. And Lyman really responds beautifully to this man's involvement and mentorship of him. But Lyman's life gets broken up again when his grandmother, who he's living with, he's living just alone with his grandmother, when she gets sick and is hospitalized and they, the aunt and uncle can't look after the grandmother and Lyman. And so Lyman is then sent to Chicago where his mom is. His mom is on her third marriage type situation. This time she's fully married, I believe, to the man that she is with. And she's living less of a frivolous life than in the past. But the man to whom she is married is abusive to Lyman. Just to let you know, it is not highly detailed. It's kind of the lead up to the the abuse is kind of mentioned. And then his injuries afterwards are very briefly, very briefly mentioned. What's just crushing is that Lyman has longed for his mom. He's longed for her involvement. He's longed to know her. He's longed to be accepted and loved and wanted by her. He's longed to be chosen by her, but she doesn't protect him. She doesn't protect him from her abusive husband. Eventually, the stepfather, in a rage, breaks Lyman's guitar, the guitar that he'd inherited when his grandpops died, this beautiful old guitar that is this connection between his grandpops and himself, this connection in the physical instrument and in the music that he played brings back this connection Lyman has with his grandfather's fingers putting um, on on his fingers, putting his fingers in the right place to play the chords. The stepfather smashes it. Lyman's mom promises that she'll try to buy him a new one. But really, that's not the point, as anybody knows. And Lyman totally knows. So this huge source of calm and solace uh, and beauty has been just destroyed out of Lyman's life. Now, Lyman is the bully that haunts Langston at school. It's hiding from Lyman that, and exiting the school a different way that introduces Ly- Langston to the library. There's this moment where Langston is reading poetry under the tree and Lyman comes up, says, what you reading, country boy? And then snatches the book from him. Lyman starts to read some of the poetry, but gets all the words messed up. And Langston laughs at him and says, you can barely read. Well, it's true, but it's really not his fault. And then Lyman rips the pages out. Here is one of the decisive moments where these boys and their lives and their actions intersect one another. It's this moment in Finding Langston that motivated Lisa Klein Ransom to write Leaving Lyman. Bringing in the mail one day, Lyman sees a letter from his aunt in Milwaukee to his uncle. And the uncle won't let him open it. While the uncle is out, Lyman discovers that she has sent money to care for Lyman. And so Lyman takes the $4 and goes to the train station, ready to board the next train from Chicago to Milwaukee. Evidently, he can't buy a ticket as a minor. And right after he tries to buy a ticket, he gets arrested. His stepfather and his mother can't and don't save him from going to juvie. 
But the truth is, Juvie is not that bad of a place in comparison to Lyman's um, disruptive other situation at home. The food is poor and there isn't enough of it, perhaps, but he has enough clothes and there's music. There's a band. And this saves Lyman at Juvie. There are friends who understand his love for music, who understand about making mistakes and changing. And Lyman learns to play the trumpet, and he practices on his own and gets pretty good at it. In the end, his father and his mentor from the barbershop come and collect him at the end of his time and take him back to Milwaukee. His father has gotten a permanent job, so he won't be leaving to travel. And it looks like Lyman has finally got relationships upon whom he can really rely and people who will take care of him. The barber, his mentor, Mr. Eugene is his name, talks with Lyman when he comes back to Milwaukee. I want to quote their conversation. A few years back, when I was your age, I smiled even though I didn't want to. I got into a little bit of trouble, Mr. Eugene said. You? Mr. Eugene didn't look like the type who was even late for school. Yeah, me. I was young and hard-headed, started hanging out with some knuckleheads. What happened? I asked him. Well, that's what I want to talk to you about. It doesn't matter what happened then. All that matters is what happens now, he said. I nodded. Do you understand what I'm telling you, son? I nodded again. You're saying, don't worry about the past? Mr. Eugene said to me, you know what happens when you spend too much time looking behind you and not enough time watching where you're going? You fall down and break your neck, I said. I knew from the moment we met you were smart. Mr. Eugene smiled. At the end of the book, Lyman gets kind of a room of his own and a radio where he can enjoy music and where he can practice music. He and his dad sing in a choir, and they're still able to share that bond of music in a certain sense with each other. He seems to forgive his dad for all of, for not being the dad that he needs him to be, and he's going to wait for his dad to keep his promises. And while he allows his dad another chance, he also allows himself to be mentored by the memory of his grandpops and by Mr. Eugene. So much of this book poses the question, who am I? Once his grandpops dies, Lyman has trouble answering that question. He has no mother around. His grandpops, who is a major source of love and connection and stability and joy in his life, has passed, and his dad was still in prison. Ma is not a great source of comfort, though she is a stable figure in his life. Sometimes seriously critical, unhappily critical, and sometimes hilariously critical and grumpy. By the end of the book, Lyman's life has achieved some stability, and you see, I see just the beauty of of these, um, these relationships with extended family, these beautiful, generous relationships with extended family that really create life, that really create support. And then the connection with the community at large, the church community, especially that comes and supports Lyman and his, his grandma. And forgive me for this perspective, but it also seems that the community in a certain sense was more bonded and more reliant on one another because of the racism that was out there at large in the culture. So I'm not praising the racism, obviously, but I am praising the great beauty of the reliance of the people within the community upon one another, how they were really knit together. So I really see that as being one of the wonderful achievements of leaving Lyman. I want to share with you some words by Lisa Klein Ransom at the, in the author's note in leaving Lyman. She writes, initially, I believed Langston's nemesis, the seemingly angry, small-minded bully Lyman, was beyond redemption. 
But as I encountered readers of Finding Langston who wanted to know more about Langston's tormentor, I began to ask myself the question, are bullies born or are they made? As the story of of Lyman emerged, the closer I came to an answer. Both Langston and Lyman began their lives in the rural South in communities fortified by family and faith. Both had loving, nurturing relationships with their grandparents, and they both fed their inner lives through a love of poetry and music. It was their move north that provided transformative experiences. Through circumstances or chance, their worlds collided at a time when neither was able to see their common bonds. End quote. But Klein Ransom does an amazing job of showing the experience of the Great Migration through the lives, through the very sort of intimate details of the lives of these two boys and their families, showing how their lives did intersect at this pivotal moment where they made decisions about who they wanted to be. Thank you for thinking about Lisa Klein Ransom's Finding Langston and Leaving Lyman. I hope that this book review has helped you decide whether these books are books worth reading. Thank you.